0: Black Knight Sword of Rage revealed. (laughs) Wizard of Oz Yellow Brick Road Limited Edition revealed. (laughs) The Texas Pinball Festival,
1: bigger than ever. Hi, my name is Jonathan Newson of Pinball Magazine, and I'm here with I'm Martin Air from
0: Pinball News. And we're here to look back at the wonderful month of Pinball that was March 2019. Exactly, and, uh, and what a I wonderful no month question. it
1: was!
0: <laughs> yeah, it absolutely was. Um, we have both been very very busy, haven't we? This this month. Absolutely, uh, I'm still catching up. Well, me too. There's so much to report, and um, we should probably start with some of the some of the great things that happened then. Um, and we were let's let's get straight on with um, the Texas show because that was the biggest, probably the highlight of the uh, the pinball season for us um, in the past. Week, over past month, I should
1: say. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we were both there. Right.
0: Um, and
1: um, we did a wonderful quiz.
0: We did. And uh, thank you very much to all the all the very generous sponsors who donated wonderful prizes, which yeah. we were able to give away
1: Stern Pinball, so we ended Jersey up Jack together. Pinball, uh, American Pinball, Suncoast Pinball, um, Pinball News, Pinball Magazine. Did I forget anybody? Oh, spooky pinball, of course. Yes, of course. Yeah,
0: yeah. We had um, had some really good stuff from then from uh, from everyone. Actually, oh, and, and multimorphic.
1: Uh, don't not. Let's not forget multimorphic, who who gave us. Oh, I mentioned them, but you oh. didn't hear me. I don't think. Okay, <laughs> I didn't hear that. I was too loud. So, but but thanks to all those sponsors, we had uh, again a couple of tables full of stuff of swag to give away to people, and uh, um, the number of contestants went up again. So, thank you. To all of them as well for participating in our quiz uh, during the happy hour and uh, kicking off the Texas Pinball Festival uh, uh, seminar program, so to speak. And um, yeah, and the other highlight of the uh, of the Texas Pinball Festival was, of course, Pinball Magazine winning a Twippy for <laughs> best pinball publication. Wow, you
0: kept that very quiet. I thought you'd have uh, been out promoting that. I'm surprised. No,
1: I'm a very modest
0: man. You are. I think everybody agrees with that. You ought to win an award for the most, most modest
1: pinball person, I should say. I can think of, of certain people that are even more modest than I am, but um, but thank you. Oh, no, you're very
0: welcome. That's it's award season. Let's give everybody an award.
1: Right, but so, uh, no, a huge thanks to Ed van der Veen, Kim van der Veen, and Paul McKinney. Uh, huge compliments as well, because this year's show, as far as I could tell, um went very very smooth there were a couple of changes compared to last year uh, or previous years i should say uh, mainly being that the tournament area has been relocated to one of the uh, rooms uh on the other side of the corridor but yes yeah, the- so I, th-
0: I think that, i think there was a kind of um, mixed feelings about that but uh, overall i think it was it was quite good and they gave them their own space um and um they were able to set up and and sort of run their own hours pretty much without having to worry about what the show hours were right. but it gave a whole load of space over to more vendors and and more exhibitors and more games in the main show hall which was certainly needed because the i guess the, the main theme of the show was monsters and um, with apart from the uh, the amazing number of uh, games that Marco had on, on their stand, the Monsters games, as well as a bunch of others, all of which were pre-sold uh, even before the show, uh, the show opened, so uh, people got a good deal on those, and um, they they uh, agreed to have them played during the show, and then they uh, took them away at the end, and uh, Marco didn't have to cart them all back, So yeah. or pack them all away. Well, that's a the formula
1: up. that they sort of perfected, and uh, that's how they're doing uh, all these shows, so um, if, if you want to see um, uh, Black Knights Sword of Rage at the uh, MGC show which is coming up then people better order uh, games from Marco so that they can pick them up at the show at least so they will be at the show because if nobody would do that I can't imagine that but basically the yeah, number of um, games uh, is determined by the, many, you know, the, the number of games that they are able to sell uh, within reason
0: they obviously have a, a limit on space and I'm, uh, but I, I wouldn't be at all surprised if all the all the games at the the MGC um, from Marco are already pre-sold. But getting back to the monsters and, uh, and TPF, uh, they had um, part, I, th- I think had about 35 games on the Marco stand, or maybe it was up to 40. It was something very close to that. Uh, as I say, they're all pre-sold. And also in that area, they had two wonderful vehicles from the monsters, uh, the Dragula. Uh, car and the monster's coach, which right. uh, were both both magnificent looking vehicles, but uh, I think you have some some reservations about taking a ride in
1: either of them. Well, um, um from my safety point of view, I think they're absolutely uh, terrible the uh, vehicles to be driving in the sense that if you want to die a quick and uh, sudden death, that's certainly the way to go.
0: <laughs> okay. Well, fortunately, they were only for exhibits, and there were nobody driving around in them, and uh, uh, very few people actually even got to sit in them. Right. But they did look absolutely great, and of course, no um, argument there. They were a fantastic backdrop to um, Butcher Patrick and Pat Priest, who were uh, on on the table there signing um, posters, along with the Stern Pinball team.
1: Right. Yeah.
0: And Um, there was a special VIP meet and greet. On yeah. Saturday morning? No, it that was,
1: was a Friday afternoon. That started at three, oh, two it? hours before the oh, show opened. Right. Oh, right. um, yeah. that's so I think there were like um, probably 60, 70 people that ordered that uh, that VIP package, uh, um, which was like $150. And they, well, first of all, they got in two hours ahead of everybody else and they got um, a special um, uh, poster, I would say, Um, with Munza's artwork with um, um, uh, spaces for autographs by the entire design team and Butch Patrick and Pat Priest. Um, And they were all sitting there uh, uh, during that VIP session as well, so uh, people were lining up. um, And after that, they could play uh, the Munza's without uh, long queues, which were there uh, the rest of the weekend when the show really opened up for for the Public. public. Yeah, I thought it was
0: a, a, a very nice session. It uh, gave everybody the chance to have a few words with uh, Butch and uh, Pat. And also, uh, who was who was there? There was John Borg, uh, Christopher Franchi, Dwight Sullivan, Jerry Thompson, I think. I think yeah, those were the four. Yeah, four. Uh, her on the table from Stern. So, yes, they all signed the poster. Um, and get your picture taken, or several pictures taken with them. Um, so yeah nice, a nice package if you're if you're really uh, a big fan of monsters or or indeed if you want to uh, if you're buying a game or want to have some some memorabilia to go with it
1: right and um, uh, butch Patrick and Pat Priest weren't the only celebrities at the show because there also was John Reese Davis who we know from Indiana Jones and the Lord of the Rings and probably other movies and TV shows and such that he. many oh, uh, other appearances yes yes yes.
0: Yes, he had a, a table set up outside in the uh, sort of autograph session area, uh, where he was uh, he was signing stuff. But I, um, I don't know whether that was the case with Butch and, and Pat. But uh, John Rees stavis was charging for signatures. Or so self-eats. were
1: uh, Butch and uh, Pat. Ah, yes. were they? Yes. Okay. Or at, at least, okay, uh, I... if if you if, uh, if if you wanted a special photograph, uh, that was being charged. But I think, I guess that. Included an autograph as well. So,
0: Yeah, I guess it's par for the course these days that uh, if you want to get a picture, those that sing as a free picture, although I did manage to grab a quick picture.
1: Well, I found or, a very uh, good way to work around that. Um, that's actually quite a fun story. Um, Saturday morning, I was, um, I already had breakfast, but I went down to the breakfast buffet in the restaurant and I noticed um, Charles Thomas uh, in the line uh, for omelettes. And about five people behind him was, um, Pat Priest. Mm-hmm. And, um, basically just to, to sort of joking around, I, I walked over to Miss, uh, Pat Priest and I said, like, if you want to skip the line and go in front of my friend, he can wait a little longer. And, um, and uh, it turns out she was actually in a hurry. So she was very happy that she could, um, So Charles was, uh, she was in front of Charles, and he was like, I wonder if I can have my picture taken. Well, since I just did her a favor by skipping the line, there was no problem at all. So we took a couple of pictures and no charge. So that's how you do that. Very good. Okay. Yep.
0: Nice story. So that was, um, I guess that was uh, pretty much all the monsters-related things from uh, Texas Pinball Festival, but uh, there were... There were plenty of other things to, to see there
1: besides well, it, the, it, that game. It was absolutely an amazing show. They had a record number of games, uh, over 500 pinball machines um, set up on uh, at the event, which, uh, um, quite frankly, um, I wrote this also in my report, which you can read on uh, pinball-magazine.com, um, I see uh, um, games in my pictures that I completely missed while I was walking around um, uh, at the show, and I was was like, oh, I should have played that, or I should have played that. And Well, there's always so much stuff going on, but in this case, it's almost... uh, I mean, it's great that there's 500 games, um, and you need probably 500 games because there's so many people there, but um, it's an illusion to think that you're going to be playing 500 games that weekend because you simply can't.
0: True. Uh, there are, there, are, there is a huge number there. And uh, as I found out when I tried to go around and video them all, it takes a lot longer than you think even just to sort of walk around the show. I, um, I went there about um, half an hour before the first seminar started, and because uh, I, I was audio recording all the seminars and, and taking pictures from them all, I thought, oh, half an hour, that's no problem. I'll just walk around, um, do my video. I'll have you know, five minutes to spare, go into the seminar. Anyway, as it turned out, um, I looked at my watch and I was about halfway around the show and it was two minutes left before the seminar started. So I'd already spent 28 minutes videoing and probably had about the same duration to go again. Uh, but I had to stop and then I'd pick up again later. Right, But uh, the upshot is that the, the walk-around video ended up being 45 minutes long, cause, just because there's so much to see, and uh, and I don't want to rush around so you can't see what all the games are or uh, what's going on there. So, yeah, that's yeah. an indication. that that's I think that's the longest um, video walk-around I've ever done. I think uh, the, that's an indication of, of the show.
1: Right, okay. So wasn't the Dutch Rainbow Open in the, at the Evola one uh, two years ago, wasn't that also
0: something like that? Oh, it's going to have to be something like that. But that's, that, that will be because of having to walk up and down the stairs all the time, going between the different <laughs> levels. <laughs> so, so yeah, there's probably about
1: 10 minutes of, of stairs in that one. <laughs> okay. So, but um, now very impressive uh, show. As always, the quality of the games is very, very high at the Texas Pinball Festival. It's not like people bringing their junk games, trying to sell them off. Um, we have a swap meet for that on Saturday morning, which was also a great success, by the way. Uh, but the mm. games at the show, um, as far as I could see, very little uh, games that went down uh, due to a technical problem or whatever. And um, as far as I could see, uh, most games look really in a very, very good shape.
0: Um, yes, yeah, so there is fierce competition. They have to win the, the Best in Show Awards, uh, which I held at the close of the show on uh, Sunday afternoon because uh, each of those comes with uh, obviously rosette bragging rights, and um, and the winner gets cash prizes, and they have different categories. They um, have about uh, 10 or 12 different categories for, for games. So, uh, yeah, nobody wants to bring a game which um, isn't going to be in contention for those. Um, so, yeah, novelty, beautiful-looking games, and uh, just general high, exceedingly high-quality restorations. That's what you'll find
1: at that show. Right. So highly recommend it for everybody. Um, I already noticed that people were already checking for the dates for next year, which is uh, March 27th to 29th, and they're already trying to to reserve rooms at the yeah. hotel. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I don't know if there are actually any rooms available yet. They normally only open up about nine months before. Right. But, uh, but keep keep looking on the website or on the uh, Texas Pinball Festival Facebook page, and I'm um, sure, sure the team there will let you know exactly when um, those rooms are available. And this could be could be the last year at that hotel. The show has become so big, um, they are sort of busting at the seams there and they, they need to find, well, it's, it's a good size now, but there's probably still room for expansion and more events. So uh, it could be that they'll find a different venue um, somewhere else in, in the larger, greater Dallas region. Right, but uh, as always, the problem with these these um, venues is if they're like a convention centre, is uh, it might be difficult to find hotels um, which are you know within walking distance. Whereas the one at Frisco is ideal from that, so maybe they can do something at that hotel because they've got some lovely hotels nearby.
1: Right. Well, as I um, what I'm sort of expecting is that after, or probably even before, um, next year's show. Um, I expect the hotel will reach out to them and see uh, if they can um, uh, discuss a new contract because I can see that this is good business for the hotel as well, as well as for all the hotels in that area because I think there's like four or five hotels and they're all selling out because of this show. Um, So there might even be some, some sort of outside pressure from other hotels pushing them like, no, don't let them go away. Keep them mm-hmm. here because it's good business for everybody.
0: Oh, absolutely! But there's also fierce competition from other, other hotels in other parts of the of the city or the, the region to try and attract a show that size. And if they can sell out the entire hotel you know, easily, and they can, then uh, hopefully other shows will be oh, sorry, other hotels will be keen for
1: the for the business as well and be making an attractive offer. Well, wow. um, well, they got. Probably a year to uh, to figure all that out, or, or maybe even more. Um, uh, the next year show will still be at the um, Fisco Convention Center where it was the previous uh, past uh, few years. Um, but again, wonderful show. Um, and hmm, us talk about um, some of the other games that were there. Yeah, I was going to uh, to lean into that. So um, Jersey Jack Pinball was the only established. Manufacturer, I would say, that um, revealed a new game. Although it was not exactly a new game, but it was more Uh, like a new limited edition of The Wizard of Oz uh, being the Yellow Brick Road limited edition. Yes, absolutely.
0: Priced at um, 11,500, which raised a few eyebrows. Um, It's uh, limited to around 500 units in total, uh, Jack said in the seminar that they probably make about 200 this year, uh, of which 150 or so are already sold or were at the time. I don't know now whether they all sold out or not. Right. Uh, the unique, right. unique aspects of this game are really to do with the 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 gold colour, I suppose, or the yellow armour on it, legs um, and uh, apron, and all the gold sparkle that has been applied to not only the, 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 the armor, but also to all the wire forms in the game and on the playfield under the clear coat as well, which Mirko has uh, come up with a new process for doing that in the printing of the playfield. So th- and that does look very nice, I have to say. Right. Uh, d- downside is, well, apart from the price, is they, they have taken out the winged, winged monkey mech uh, on the back, which lifts the ball from the uh, main player field up to the witch's castle, because that's always been a little problematic. Um, so they, I guess, they found a, a better way of achieving that same thing that doesn't doesn't involve any uh, any ball hang ups or, uh, or mechanical failure or uh, sticking. Um, other than that, um, it looks really nice. It's um, it's very bright. It uses all the new um, Electronics and um, hardware that they're using in games like Dialed In and Pirate. Pirates of the Caribbean. Yes. Yeah. Uh, or Caribbean, depending on where you want to uh, get your, your pronunciation from. And uh, so that means it's got the new uh, new lighting in there. All the uh, hopefully more reliable throughout than, than the, the original run. Um, so I think I think that's right in saying that's the only edition of the Wizard of Oz that's got the, the all-new um, electronics and cabinet design right. in it. Uh, but it doesn't have the direct-to-cabinet uh, printing that the first run of um, Wizard of Oz has had, but they, they actually phased that out later. Uh, but this has got the the radcals, you know, the, the very glossy, high-quality, uh, thick um, decals on the side of the, of the cabinet and uh, And look pretty Mm and incredibly rich in colour. So, you know, it's um, it basically brings the Wizard of Oz up to spec as if it was being released now, I suppose,
1: with everything that you get in a a modern Jersey Jack game. Right. And uh, so people were uh, hoping that there might have been a reveal for. Uh, what is rumored to be Jersey Jack Pinball's next game, um, and that's uh, supposed to be Willy Wonka and the uh, Chocolate uh, Factory. Mm -hmm. Um, No such thing at the show. Um, So uh, some people might have been disappointed, but I guess word was already out on the street that that game was not going to be revealed at the Texas show. Uh, I think we even mentioned that it wasn't wasn't going to uh, to be the case. Um, but in the meantime, it has been confirmed that it will be revealed at the Midwest Gaming Classic Show, which is the weekend of April 13th and 14th. If I'm correct,
0: right? Yes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> mhm. Yes, that's going to be a, a a very busy show for game reveals because it will be the first popular outing for another game which we're going to look at a little
1: bit later right so um, so but but uh, so that game is suppo- um, I think it was uh, already confirmed by Kingpin with uh, a distributor for Jersey Jack games that the game will be revealed at that show so um, that should be on uh, Friday the 12th I think the uh, the public uh, reveal takes place interestingly um, uh, Jack Warnieri um, will not be at that show, as he will be at the Flip Expo show, which is the same weekend in France. Yes, where, uh, well, well, where you and I will be at fact. Right. And um, yeah. I'm, 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 I'm looking in my uh, glass uh, bowl. I look into the future. I can <laughs> see that we're probably um, doing a bonus podcast Uh, uh, recorded at that show with an interview with Jack Guarnieri. I think that's probably going to be very likely, and I
0: think we can all guess what the subject of that bonus podcast is going to be. Yes. But let's not get ahead of ourselves. Um, That show is, um, yes, in northern France, uh, it's exactly the same weekend as the Midwest Gaming Classic, and where where Jack is uh, the guest of honour, I
1: suppose. Yes. Uh, again, again, was there, he was there last uh, year as well. Last year, yeah. yes. As as were we. Right, uh, yeah. For me, that's been a, a, a returning annual visit, I would say, to the city of Ledtrepor, and um, yeah, I look forward to going there. It's going to be a fun yeah, weekend. Yeah, I, I used to go
0: there quite a lot. Um, well, but every year at least um, to mainly to play in the tournaments as much as anything. But uh, then after a few years, I kind of let it slide through while I went to other shows and uh, yeah so last year and this year back again so it's
1: nice to be nice to yeah. be back at that
0: show it's a very very laid back very relaxed and
1: uh, unpleasant weekend particularly if the weather's good yeah and um, just to put things in perspective um, it's not uh, a very big show in the sense that the number of games at the show I think the past years was somewhere around 60 70 maybe something like that and um uh, but it's it's still great fun and it's a real family-oriented show. You see entire families just come in for two, three hours of uh, uh, playing pinball and then they move out and they move on like uh, with their regular lives. And, um, so it's not so much for just a pinball enthusiasts as there is a lot of locals just popping in for just playing a couple of games
0: yes absolutely and it's good to good to also mention that they've uh, expanded the show uh, in the past couple of years and taken over a second hall which is now where all the vendors go so there's a free play hall and there's a vendor hall and the vendor hall is is absolutely packed as well so there's plenty plenty of opportunities there to buy games and parts and all sorts of memorabilia um while um also, playing some of the games in, in that room. But uh, if, if it's just games you want to play and you're know, not interested in buying parts or or spares or anything else, the free play hall is uh, all, uh, where you go. And if you want to play in the, in the tournament,
1: yeah. you can go and play as well. Okay, hold on. Um, oh. I have a uh, ringing is that, phone. Is that you? Yeah, is that it me? is me. Hang on. Actually, is it's, that? it's not me, it's our good friend, Gary Flower, calling.
0: Oh my, how can Gary be calling? He must be on the way to the Midwest Gaming Classic by now, isn't he? Uh,
1: I, I guess he is, yeah. He is. Uh, maybe he's on one of these modern uh, planes that he can fall uh, from the plane.
0: Oh, well, he is always connected, you know. You know. So I just hope it's not one of those um, Boeing 737s or, or whatever they are. And,
1: uh, uh, you, better, you better check to make sure he's not on one of those. Okay, well, let's see what he had to say. I mean, we miss him quite so often. Um, and uh, I, I think we can squeeze him in because he's going to... Yeah, yeah, the come on. Okay. Okay. on. Let's do it. Let's do so it. let's bring him in. Here's Gary Flower. Okay. Oh, crap. Hey, Gary. Hey. Hello can't believe it. He hung up on me again. Did he hung
0: up on you or was it one of those 737s? <laughs> I, I guess we'll find
1: out soon. One way or the other. For Gary's sake, I hope he just hung up. Anyway. Yeah. Okay. So, um, he um, might call later. You never know. Um But yeah. Gary Flower, is it for those people wondering who the hell is Gary Flower, <laughs> he will be... I've happy. had a few people ask that. Yes. Right. <laughs> So Gary Flower will actually be at the uh, Midwest Gaming Classic Show. And um, um, so you might actually um, um, see him. I think he's uh, occupying one of the uh, registration desks or whatever uh, for the VIPs. And I'm
0: sure sure he'll be introducing them as well in some of the seminars that they're doing.
1: Right. so, uh, So let's give a face to Gary Flower and see him at the Midwest Gaming Classic Show yes absolutely so and uh, um, just uh, talking about, uh, on a side note um, since we're likely to record a um, a bonus podcast just like we did last month or this month whatever you want to call it um, um, we might actually maybe we can see if we can include Gary reporting live from Midwest Gaming Classic in a bonus podcast that would make podcast. perfect sense yeah exactly yeah we can cover cover both both
0: sides of the of the Atlantic. Exactly. So,
1: okay. Well, let's not get ahead of okay. ourselves with no. that. But, um, so there might be a bonus podcast, um, just as there was uh, a couple of days before the Texas Pinball Festival, in which we had an interview with organizer Ed van der Veen, as well as with Jerry Stellenberg of Multimorphic. And speaking of which, um, while we were... In Texas, we actually visited the uh, new facility of Multimorphic, where they are now building games themselves in-house. Yes, it was uh,
0: very new. They're still sort of sorting out things like the flooring, but um, and and the processes as well. They they're, uh, they have a lot of stuff in on the floor. They 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 sort of did given over the whole floor to manufacturing pretty much. Just a little meeting room where uh, we did our interview with with jerry um later in the evening but the rest of it there are, there are no offices everybody everybody's there from jerry and everyone they're all working on the floor so if there are any questions come up when they're making the games uh, they can they can refer to him immediately without having to try and find him and um it was uh it was a very nice nice facility he's got there you know they uh they were getting ready for the show while we were visiting, so there was a lot of, a lot of games being moved in and out and being prepared. But they do have a, a good workflow, it seems, set up there. It's not it's not perfect yet, but it's almost um, almost uh, ideal. And um, Jerry talks us through the the whole process, really, from uh, the ordering and or design of parts, the ordering. Uh, the stock control, the bill of materials and the manufacturing of assemblies and the entire game and the different types of modules that they had there. And uh, while we were there, we were able to to try out their their, uh, their new four-player version right. of Cosmic Kart Racing, which um, I think was, it was, it was pretty much new for them as well. They, they hardly yes. knew where, <laughs> how it worked. They, they had two machines up in a, in a different part of the factory, and um, Jonathan and I played two more. So we were playing head-to-head. Uh, we were next to each other, and the other two people were next to each other, but well, we couldn't see them. So it, right. was, it was
1: like network play. Right. So And just to understand that for uh, the, the people listening, this means that uh, so you basically have four players racing against each other, each playing their own pinball machine. So you need four pinball machines to, uh, to make that happen. Um, which is quite uh, quite interesting, but it could be a very fun feature for a big change like um, um, uh, Dave and Busters or Chuck E Cheese, uh, if they would be into pinball of uh, that sort. It's a it's a different game uh, of pinball than we've seen uh, traditionally, I would say.
0: But yes, it's, it's a bit like um, the, uh, sort of, uh, the sit down racing games where you're kind of racing against other people, except you're not all sitting next to each other, not all playing next to each other. You could be in in completely remote locations uh, anywhere in the world, in theory.
1: Right, and uh, you could just uh, make an appointment with someone like, hey, uh, let's race uh, uh, Cosmic Card Racing at such and such hour and uh, uh, just make sure you get on the game and then you connect through the internet, I guess. and, um, And you're off racing against each other. So, yeah, um, you could
0: have, you'd have regular meetings, you know, like leagues and things like that, set up you know, every Thursday night or whatever. At you know, 8 o'clock, everyone comes together, and uh, they, they play against each other directly.
1: Right. So, and um, at the Texas Pinball Festival, they had four games of cosmic card racing set up next to each other, so it was a little easier to, uh, to find three uh, players to compete against. And mm-hmm. as far as I understood, it was a big success.
0: Yeah, it seemed very, very fast. Very uh, There's not a lot of, uh, sort of ball locking going on. It's, it's fast action. You have to shoot the shots um, that are lit to unlight them. Uh, you can earn power-ups to either boost yourself or block other players. And uh, it was a, yeah, a very frantic, sort of frenzied um, minute or two minutes. I forget how long it was because it, it all goes by so quickly. Right. And then uh, you suddenly f- discover that you're first, second, third or fourth at the end of it.
1: Right, so um, if there would be an award for a most innovative pinball machine, then I definitely think that Multimorphic uh, should be winning such an award. Yeah, I think that was uh, certainly the uh, the gist
0: of Jerry's presentation. It um, was about uh, innovation in pinball and uh, demonstrating exactly how the P3 um, breaks a whole number of molds in the, in the, in the way that it uh, operates and the modular nature of it. Uh, but that that although that, that game wasn't actually new, although the four-player version of it was, the connected version was. Right. We saw we saw two-player head-to-head last year, but the four-player is now working. Right. And um, I'm not sure it's actually been released yet. They they did they did have other games there which which were
1: released. Right. And they even but, announced a new free game uh, for people who are already customers of Multimorphic. Um, which was a basketball-themed game called Hooping It Up. And that game was actually developed by one of their customers, I think.
0: Mm -hmm. That's right, yeah, and wanted to sort of give give something back. So they made that game, and and basically anybody who's got the the Lexi Lightspeed uh, upper Playfield module, which is nearly all owners, I think, of uh, P3 Machines, they can that appears in their list of uh, available games to either download or uh, just to run once they've downloaded it, which is uh, a, a nice little bonus for them, uh, as well as the um, the other games which are, which are also out there. Which uh, we're looking at the the Grand Slam, um, Grand Slam Rally was it? I can't remember yeah, the, the full Grand name. Yeah, Grand Slam right? Rally. Yeah,
1: that's correct. Yeah, that's the pitch and back type game. Yeah. Uh I well, actually had quite a bit of fun uh, playing that game and um I quickly discovered the best way to play it uh obviously with a pitch and bat game or uh, um well what they last year that that game uh debuted at the Texas pinball Show and in the meantime uh with a pitch and bat game, usually you get one swing um mm-hmm. at the ball um in this case they reduced it uh, or or they increased that um you get two swings. Or you get yeah. two flips, if you want. Two flips. So double, yeah. Right. Um, and basically, I found out that it's, it's uh, instead of trying to swing for the ball when it's coming at you, uh, when it's being launched, um, you actually have a much better chance to, uh, for a better score, if you just let the ball bounce on the flipper first. And yeah. um, um, then you have just a, that couple of, one, two seconds extra, and then you can actually make the shot that you are able to make at that point. Uh, Yeah,
0: there didn't seem to be any sort of timing restriction as to when you made those those flips. Right. So you you didn't have to flip as soon as the ball came to you. You had a couple of seconds at least to to let it settle.
1: Uh, And that was probably because the game would otherwise be too hard for some people. So, but that was um that was actually a fun game i um, I, I played quite a few games of that uh, while we were at the multimorphic factory so and um <laughs> well thank you for um, uh, having us there Jerry Stellenberg. Um much appreciated and um like we said earlier, um we recorded an interview with Jerry um, which was um, part of a bonus podcast. That is um, available on on our um, uh, podcast garden uh, page, I would say. Uh, yeah. So you can listen to that there and listen to what Jerry has to say about the future of his company and uh, all that sort of stuff.
0: Yeah, I guess if you're li- <laughs> if you're listening to this, then you probably found that page already. So it should be it's the one before this. Right. Exactly, okay, so also at Texas Show we didn't want to get away from that just yet because there was there were uh, apart from the multimorphic games, there are also a couple of other um, so we say up and coming companies um, looking to produce their titles right. some further ahead
1: than others, uh, one of which was Suncoast pinball right, and um, uh, very good people I would say because they uh, immediately uh, sponsored our quiz, which is... uh, They did. Give some nice prizes. Yes. So, thank you for that. And here's an extra plug. That's what you get (laughs) if you do that. (laughs) It's not a guarantee that you get that, but in this case, yes. So, yes. um, yes. Um, We're talking about the game called Cosmic Carnival, um, which actually had been presented already at the Houston Arcade Expo in October of last year, but at that point it was just a whitewood. Um, photos of that white boot have been uh, floating around uh, on Facebook and the internet and so on. Um, And now the game was, or actually uh, they brought two games to the show Um, but these games had a full artwork package playfield cabinet, plastics, everything uh, by Dirty Donny who we know from artwork uh, like uh, Aerosmith Um, perhaps Can Crusher uh, Metallica uh mm. all games that he did for stern pinball but um he's now working for Suncoast pinball and it appeared that they even locked him down for three more titles well that's uh, that's amazing
0: that that um the artwork is certainly highly identifiable as 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 coming from him it's um uh, i i think i think it looked amazing yes uh, it's a very good looking game mm. Um, the game wasn't actually playable as such. You could flip it, right? But it didn't have any rules to it. It didn't have any. It had a music track, I think, playing, but didn't yeah,
1: but really it was have any So yeah, uh, it was just looping track. To, to explain this to the people, basically, um, uh, if you pushed uh, the start button, there would uh, a ball would be launched to the shooter lane, which would then be auto launched. And then you could flip it, but there was no modes running. No, There was basically no code. Um, they called this demonstration mode, although I wasn't sure what it was demonstrating other than that you could flip the ball around.
0: Um, it did give you a chance to, to, to try the shots and see how well it flowed. I actually en- ended up finding that it was a lot easier to... to it had a um, symmetrical layout with a, a ramp on each side and um, an orbit on each side and uh, shots up into the pop bumpers in the middle right. on each side. Uh, I found it easier to backhand the ramps than to shoot them from the front, which I don't know whether it's intentional, but it seemed to be an easier shot that way um, and, and less dangerous if the ball didn't make it up the ramp. Right. Uh, it's, it's always a bit weird trying to flip a game with no rules because there's no reason to make any of the shots other than just to see... The ball rolled along the ramp and come back to the flipper again um so it wasn't it wasn't hugely satisfying but uh at least it gave you an idea of the, of the play play field layout uh, and the artwork was was obviously the, the main attraction and uh they they had a static image on the display on an lcd which is in the back box uh didn't didn't do anything uh as said, jonathan said there's just a, a generic music track playing in the background so
1: But there you go. It shows you where they've got to so far. Yeah, so the number of shots on that game is um, not as many as you may have seen on on recent uh, um, uh, pinball games from other manufacturers. Um, uh, If you just look at the shots, it's sort of like reminding me of of the late 80s, uh, early 90s type of um, layouts, although this one was symmetrical. And um, I guess um the proof will be in the um, in the, the the code. Let's see what they are able to um uh, to implement in terms of modes and uh, obviously music will play a big part in it voice calls everything that that really makes the game a game. Yeah, you
0: need, you need a good production package in there definitely to to bring the game alive because uh, although it was fun to to um you know alternate the ramps a few times um, you need, you need to be. It needs to be worthwhile and uh, it needs to be clear what the rules are as well. But, yeah, these guys know how to play, how to play. It's, and it's how already to build
1: quite people. impressive what they accomplished so far, so let's keep an eye on them and follow uh, whatever new developments are, uh, they are coming up with, especially knowing that uh, they are um, uh, planning to have Dirty Donny do artwork for more games, which means that there are more games coming from them. Yeah, hopefully. But uh, so, Cosmic Carnival, first game from then, not to be confused
0: with Cosmic Kart Racing or Cosmic Chaos. Right. Uh, another another uh, theme which uh, was at uh, last year's show, I think. Or yes. year before.
1: Yeah, last year, probably. Uh, yes, that but, game was uh, actually still, uh, or well, game that cabinet, I would say, <laughs> yeah. is um, currently located at the Texas Pinball Museum, which is run by the same organizers as the Texas Pinball Festival. Um, and uh, interestingly, they increased the number of games after the Texas show quite a bit um, at the Texas Pinball Museum, including quite a few uh, rare games like um, uh, The Big Lebowski, which will be on display there for a couple of months. So whoever is in the um, uh, area of in Texas, should certainly give that a try um, on Saturdays when the museum yeah. is open. Yeah, and of
0: course um, Ed Van der Veen talks to us all about the museum as well in our in our bonus podcast. If you haven't heard that already, right? And uh, and I think we both have uh, reports on our respective websites, pinballnews.com and pinball-magazine.com, um, exactly. from our trip yes. to the museum to uh, to see Ed and Kim there. Right. And, so uh, then let's… let's talk about what the, what their plans are.
1: Right. Um, but uh, since we were talking about Suncoast Pinball, there was another new um, uh, startup company. I would say um, at the show, uh, Haggis Pinball, all the way from Australia, and they were showing their Celts game.
0: Yes, um, not not the game they intended to bring originally. They were going to bring Wraith, um, but um, they, uh, uh, I think they said about eight weeks ago they decided that that wasn't going to be ready in time. We just wouldn't be able to do anything. We wanted to do with it? So rather than bring that, they uh, brought brought their their second game, uh, Celts, which is um, they put together in that short short space of time, um, built it in Australia, dismantled it there, uh, put it all into boxes, brought it over, uh, found a cabinet in um, in Texas, uh, I think it was a Star Trek cabinet, was yes. the one they used, Valley Star Trek, and um, and then rebuilt the game. Uh, in the, in a the couple of days, just before the show, so it would be, be on, on their stand and ready to show. But it was it was still in a very very early stage, shall we say?
1: Yes, I, I guess that's the the best way to describe it. <laughs> it was uh, uh, very early. It was a white wood, but I, I'm not sure whether the white wood was even complete. Um, I didn't get to play it, to be honest, because I was too busy at, um, going around the rest of the show. I but don't think I, it was playable not, at all. Um, at the right. time, at least not for the public. It might have been playable for um, uh, the developers. Um, but, uh, I don't know, well, the layout looked really, not just because it was in an 80s style cabinet, but the, the layout looked like an 80s type of layout. Um, yes.
0: Well, maybe that's that's where everybody's going these days, you know, after Total Nuclear Annihilation. Right. So, there was and then we a, had uh, the Bafia and. Uh, and now we've got Suncoast with the Cosmic yeah. Carnival. And, uh, so everyone's going back to the, the simpler, easy to understand games.
1: Yeah, and uh, uh, the Whitewood did have a um, an area in the in the uh, whitewood for a, um, a phone display. I would say it's about that size, um, vertical. Interestingly, um, so that's going to be integrated in the um, in the game. Um, at some point, I guess. Um, Obviously, there was no artwork whatsoever. Um, I got the idea that the layout was... um, Well, they knew what they were um, uh, going to be building, but the techniques used in um, how certain um, uh, uh, parts were cut out for uh, Mm. metal rails... um, on, on a, uh, it's very unusual to cut these uh, parts out. And I, as uh, I uh, understood, um, on the production models, they will not be cut out. So I was wondering how many uh, iterations of that playfield are they going through before they get the, really down to what it's supposed to be. And uh, interestingly, since this is not flippable yet, at least. As far as I could see, um, you might still be changing things on the playfield because once you are able to flip it, you might find out or discover that certain shots don't work the way that you expected them to work.
0: Yes, I, I think um, listening listen to the seminar from Damien, um, he was, uh, I think he's, they they have they have gone through all that process of uh, getting the shots and trying to get the 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 um, the ball guides you know, the flat rails just right, so the ball flows uh, and ends up going exactly where it wants, or where, where they wanted to go. You said that was the hardest part of the development process was actually controlling where the ball goes all the time. It's not quite as simple. You can draw it on paper and then you flip it, and it really doesn't work. And you end up bending the the wire or the uh, the flat rails quite a lot in order to, to make sure that it, the the exit or the entrance is suitably is smooth and directed. Uh, without any nasty kinks that that kills the ball momentum, um, so uh, but I think it's fair to say they've still got a long way to go with that game before it's anywhere near um, being re- in a position to 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 build and and sell, uh, which is fair enough because they, they they they're not taking any pre-orders. They're uh, I think the pre-order model is now sort of universally dead, in most cases, uh, except for maybe uh, one or two uh, the larger companies. Right. Uh, so I think I think they are very realistic about uh, they they will have to produce something and and um, bring it to the market and then it'll either you know stand or fall depending on on how well it plays and that
1: that's um, that's probably a, a good situation to be in. Yeah, um, there is a plus side on the whole thing with uh, Haggis Pinball as uh, Damian is um, uh, producing or documenting uh, the making of his um, uh, games on video and um spreading these or, or distributing these on uh, youtube so um that might bring in a, a few more people to the hobby and it's always fun for people who are already in the hobby to follow what is uh what he's working on and and just the all the things that occur when you're designing a game and all that kind of stuff so yeah, hopefully
0: it's not too scary and doesn't scare people off from uh, having a
1: go Right, so but if people are interested in following what he's, uh, what he's up to or what it takes to design a pinball machine, then uh, make sure to to follow Haggis Pinball. Yep, excellent, okay. Um, I think that's
0: probably just, oh no, uh, we've still got um we've got yeah, Chicago so much Gaming. more.
1: You think we were yeah. done, we are far from done. <laughs> yeah.
0: um,
1: where I Chicago wanted to go. Chicago at the at the stand, oh, right. at a massive stand though, didn't they, at Texas? Um, actually, I was um, uh, speaking of new games, I was actually heading for Oktoberfest, uh, which was for me the first time that I got to flip it. Um, of course, the game debuted at Pinball Expo um, last October, but um, since then um, the playfield design has been slightly improved. Um, there was uh, some, some more room created for uh, areas where the ball uh, uh, should be shot, and sort of capture to make sure that you actually make that shot, um, and then it falls into a hole or whatever, so it doesn't bounce out. Um, so that the, the playfield design had been uh, slightly improved, um, code has been improved, and for me, it was the first time uh, being able to, to play that. And I must say that um, I think it's um, it's an improvement over Houdini. <laughs> okay. Not sure whether your, that is uh, a. <laughs> people might see that as a compliment, but um, obviously the Oktoberfest theme got a lot of um, uh, negative responses. People didn't get it, but if you just see it as a regular uh, carnival type of yes. game. Yes, with Houdini being their first game and the the team still new to um, uh, working together and uh, the choreography of the game and all that kind of stuff, um, I do see improvements in that on Oktoberfest. Um, There might still be room for a little bit more improvement in terms of choreography. Um, Some voice calls using pinball terminology that I don't think that anybody outside pinball will understand. Um... But that playfield is really packed with shots and what you can do on it, Um, almost to the point that I'm thinking um, there's too much on it. I mean, uh, there are areas that I'm wondering, yes, it's great that you can do this, but did you really need it? And sure, it helps to make the game deep. Um, But more importantly, uh, one should ask, does it make the game more fun? Uh, well I'm
0: actually not in a position to answer that because I haven't played it since expo. Hmm. Uh, I wanted well, I tried to get well, I was standing in line several times to try and get a game but uh, I, it always took about at least 20 minutes for a could, could get on the machine. So uh, in the end I uh, ended up going off and doing something else, uh, shooting a video or taking some, doing a seminar or something like that.
1: Well, I know so, well, the... I didn't get to play it. Yeah, so I noticed exactly what you were saying that uh, actually I think American Pimble brought like seven uh, Oktoberfest games, and they were all played constantly, so th- that's a good sign. Um, they were uh, quite; uh, It took quite a while before you got to play a game, so I was able to um, uh, get into the um, uh, main uh, room and play the game uh, before the show opened on Saturday morning. So I played two different uh, games. I think I played four games in total, uh, and that gave me a little bit of an... Um, An idea, and it was um, it was definitely more fun than I expected it to be. Mm, Good. Oh well. Well done,
0: American pinball. We'll we'll see how the rules and and the code on that game uh, develops over the over the next few uh, months. But the
1: the game is now going into production. They said, didn't they? Yes. And uh, speaking of production there, uh, apparently we reported earlier on that they were planning to move to a new facility. But uh, although that was scheduled to take place at the end of last year, um, so far they haven't moved.
0: No, uh, it did seem a little, well, no, it seemed hugely um, ambitious at the time when we spoke to them at at Expo that they, they thought they could get into that factory by the end of the year and start producing games. That didn't happen. And speaking to the team at the show, they reckon they will be in the new factory in the summer of this year. And they are going to have three production lines, they said. They're going to have a main production line. Uh, they're going to have a smaller one for um, other games. Uh, maybe they're, uh, so they can do two, run, two different titles at once. And they are going to have a third line, which they said uh, they might use for or intend to use for either... Uh, contract manufacturing for other companies or for producing uh, redemption games, either under their own title or, or, or their own uh, company or for for other companies, contract manufacturing redemption games rather than pinball. So they've got big plans to use the, the, the large amount of space that they will have in their new factory, um, which is in Palatine, um, some way away from uh, their existing place. Right. So that's, uh, that's American Pinball's planned and uh, thank you very much uh, for the engraved Oktoberfest tankard, which they gave us for uh, our, our quiz.
1: Yes. So um, you briefly mentioned you wanted to go to uh, Chicago Gaming, so let's head there. Oh, yeah. You know. Well, they, I thought they had a, a very impressive um, stand with uh,
0: three sides of a, of a square um, packed with all their, their titles. They, I think I, there was like 30 uh, games or so. Um, don't think it was that many, but it was it was um, maybe twenty. But they had um, all the monster bashes um, there, uh, Attack from Marses, and I think they had at least one or maybe maybe two medieval madnesses, which I think they're 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 not making
1: anymore at the moment. Right. But- they might also always go back into production so uh but it was indeed an impressive uh stand it was also very nice of uh, or smart of them i think to 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 have such a co- sort of contained area with just nothing but their games uh which is a good showcase for them
0: yeah look they, they, they weren't just there either There were there on other other vendors stands uh, kingpin certainly had um, some games as they did um had Octoberfest as well, I think, and um, and the Jersey Jack games as well. They were big on those, and um, and we should also mention um, Cointaker also had Octoberfest on their stand. I can't remember who was there anybody else had an Octoberfest, but there were there were four of them, I think, on uh, American Pinball stand and a Houdini, and then the others were, were dotted around the hall on on other vendors.
1: Right, so. Um, um... So um, kudos to uh, Chicago Gaming, and um, because they got a, uh, I think they got great exposure uh, of that. It was always very busy in that area of uh, of the show floor. Um, um, speaking of Monster Bash uh, remake, um, Brian Allen, right. who you might remember as doing as the artist who did the artwork for the limited edition of Highway Pinballs Alien. Um, he came up with an alternative Translight uh, for the back glass, uh, back box uh, of uh, Monster Bash which is a uh, limited edition run i not quite sure currently on uh, how many uh, how limited it is the, the number of um, prints uh, made but if you're looking to, uh, to replace the Translight in your Monster Bash for this um, unique um, alternative um, translite artwork which is basically the same situation but drawn by a different artist um, then um, look at Brian Allen on the internet and it should not be that difficult to find um, uh, his website or where you can order this uh, uh, limited Monster Bash alternative, uh, alternative translate artwork
0: yeah I think it uh, looked really nice, it was a bit more scary, a bit more edgy I suppose is what you'd say. Um, whereas the the original Monster Bash, you know, is very very true to the Universal Creatures or Universal Studio Monsters. Uh, this one sort of makes them a little more sort of punky, a bit more scary. So uh, if if that's something you you'd like for your game, um, rather than being quite so, I mean, it's not family unfriendly, but it's um, it's certainly got a bit more a bit more of an angle to it, and uh, yeah. I'd, I'd certainly like one if I had a Monster Bash.
1: Right. And even if you don't have a Monster Bash, you might just still buy it for uh, and hang it on your wall. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Okay.
0: Um, so moving on from that, uh, what else have we got with the other manufacturer? I think we, are we um Oh, yes. Oh, also, yes. While we're on the uh, issue on oh, the TPF, one last thing, I think that we've got to mention is the the launch of the new pinball publication, which uh, was was debuted at the Texas Pinball Festival and also available online this, at the same time. And that was a Coinop Carnival. Yes, by uh, Nick Baldridge. Brian Clayton and Nick Baldridge. Yes. Exactly. Yes. Um, yeah, we've uh, as a as a pinball publisher. What was your opinion of it, then,
1: Jonathan? Um, um, I like it. It's um, uh, It's got an interview with Wayne Nyance, which is uh, very nicely illustrated by Ryan. Mm-hmm. And, A subject close to your heart, obviously. Yeah, um, um, there's this other uh, award-winning publication called Pinball Magazine uh, number no. 5, which is also featuring um, uh, the career of uh, Wayne Nyans, but let's not plug that really? too much. Um, no, coin, also- car, car, coin of Carnival is like, um, um, well, it's basically, it's, it's just wonderful. Uh, there are so many illustrations in there. I mean, um, there's a lot of work uh, involved for uh, for Ryan Clater as the illustrator, um, as every page is uh, requiring uh, multiple illustrations, I would say, whether it's in comic book form or just something to illustrate um, the article uh, where it's going with. Um, he did a, a tremendous job. It's completely full-color. Um, some people might be familiar with the uh, the Drop Target uh, zine that was uh, published yep. a couple of years ago. <coughs> Sorry. Um, this magazine has uh, the same size. I'm not sure, that's like a half um double folded uh, letter size i would assume it is sort of it seems uh, but completely full color uh with a um um a paperback cover but slightly thicker paper than uh, than the uh, the material in there um it just it, it looks Very, very nice. Okay, there's nothing negative I can say about this. Other than that, I would have liked to see that uh, it it might have been if it would have been the size of Pinball Magazine, um, Mm -hmm. uh, that might have been nicer, but still, it's a very, very good looking publication. And I started reading it, and um, I haven't finished yet. Obviously, I have other things to do as well, but it's very interesting to see how they illustrated the Wayne Nyans um uh interview that they did with him. Um I I I just I can say nothing but compliments and I take my hat off to these guys for uh, for starting this and I uh, applaud them. And apparently this is going to be a um they're just going to do four issues um and they uh they're, they're taking their time um this is issue one, and the second issue uh, will be available in like two years. Yeah, that's the idea. They do it
0: every, every two years. Uh, we did it as an article all about it, of course, on Pinball News, where we interview uh, uh, Nick and Ryan. Um, but you can also um, find out more information about the the whole coinot Carnival um Publication and their plans for it on um, the com website, where you can also buy it. It um, it's 64 pages in length in the first issue, and they think that's probably going to be about the size of, of the next three. They don't um, don't intend to rush these out, but they they think that they that every two years is a, an achievable uh, production schedule, uh, given all their other commitments and their other lives. Um, so. This one's going to be around for a while. They're going to be doing a, a tour around the U.S., visiting various shows, Coinop and um, pinball and uh, other types of show, in order to, to plug it. Right. So, uh, CoinopCarnival.com. if you want to, to buy one, we can also buy a lapel pin and uh, a T-shirt from them
1: as well. Yeah. So, and uh, interestingly, at the Texas Pinball Festival, Nick Baldrige had brought his uh, multi-bingo game um, to the show, Um, if you're familiar, well, it helps if you're familiar with bingo games, which were, um, um, it's, it looks like a pinball cabinet, but it's different. And this one is different in the sense that, uh, I think you can play 116 different games, um, on that one, all based on classic, uh, bingo games, uh, with the rules, uh, as they, um, are supposed to be played uh, originally, like like the original games. Um, I gave it a try, um, and uh, obviously there's no flippers in there. You just plunge the ball, and then it's supposed to fall down somewhere in one of the 25 holes on the playfield. Um, and obviously you try to aim for a certain hole and hope that it, uh, you can nudge the game slightly, uh, trying not to tilt it, but to... to direct the ball in a certain direction of a certain hole. Um, but the rules were so complicated. Nick's were, Nick was <laughs> explaining to me, like, oh, and um, uh, there, um, you have to push this button now, and then you have to push that button and that button. It was, like, more complex than Pirates of the Caribbean uh, from Jersey Jack <laughs> Pinball, uh, and understanding how you should be playing that game. So... Probably yes, I, I
0: understand exactly what you're saying, because I had the same same experience. Um, Nick did take the time out to sort of explain. Uh, he said, you know, do you know anything about bingo? I said, well, I've, I, can, I kind of know the basics, but I've always been a bit confused by this whole magic screen idea. And uh, so he, he talked me through it. But, but basically he's got a physical play field, um, physical bingo play field with, I don't know, 30, 30 different holes on it, something like that. No, 25. And... 25. Okay, um, and then on the on the back the back box is an LCD screen, which is where all the rules and um, the features are all implemented. So first of all, you pick which game you want to play, uh, and then, as Jonathan said, you put in where well, you you simulate putting in lots and lots of coins in order to set up the game exactly how you want it. And certain areas, but that's already that's something that you, than that you have to understand yeah,
1: that you have to. do. Yeah, of
0: course, and of course, it's different for each of the 116 games on there uh, to exactly how you do that and what features are available um, right so, so, and, and the so funny it's, it's very long-lived game you know you won't get bored of, of playing it because every single game you know you, you can go through every single game and every feature and you'll be playing it for the next 50 years and you still won't have played them all right so
1: um, but the, the, so, so what's the confusing part is obviously you need to know uh, what you need to do on on each game but In this case, uh, Nick had uh, several drawers uh, in the cabinet that you could pull open and then there were several buttons that you could press. (laughs) And you just have to know, like, oh, for this game I need to press that button in order to activate that feature, in order to uh, multiply my chances of winning this or winning that or whatever, or I need to shift a card or a line or whatever. Yeah, and, and that so was press the,
0: red, press green, press yellow. And right, why am I doing this? Yeah, exactly. Then, <laughs> it does actually make sense once you understand it, but it takes a lot of understanding. Right. But anyway, it was good fun, and it and it uh, deservedly won an award at the uh, Best in Show uh, presentation at the end of the show. So, yes, uh, I think it was...
1: Um, to, to Nick for that. Yes. So um, then, um, well, there's two ways where we can go... Um, now we still haven't discussed uh, um, Stern Pinball. We haven't. We should do that because that was uh, I think that was our
0: number one headline, wasn't it? Yes. So uh, we should we should shouldn't leave that till last. Well,
1: actually, we are. But okay, uh, we'll have some other. Uh, news. Oh, we've got plenty more to talk about. Yeah. Right. 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 So Stern Pinball, uh, aside from having a, a massive display uh, at the Texas Pinball Festival with the Monsters. Um, I guess the news that everybody had been waiting for was the reveal of Steve Ritchie's new game, which is, uh, as we know now, Black Knight Sword of Rage. Yes, not Black Knight 3000, as uh,
0: people have been calling it, um, without knowing exactly what it was. But, uh, yeah, Sword of Rage uh, is the game. It was revealed almost not quite the day after. It was revealed to distributors the day after, Texas show closed. Actually, it was revealed
1: um, on the Sunday evening of the... Well, I wasn't
0: was sure whether that actually happened or not.
1: Um, no, it that happened. certainly supposed to. Oh, yes. okay. That happened. Uh, we're going to... I was talking to, to, to a distributor who was watching the live stream from Gary Stern uh, on the plane. He couldn't watch right. it all, oh, okay. but, but it, it, uh, it happened. So 9, 9 p.m., I think Chicago time, that would be, um, Gary Stern did a uh, live webinar for distributors and dealers, where he revealed what the game was, which models there were, uh, pricing, and all that kind of stuff. And um, that was rerun, I think, uh, on the Monday after TPF. And um, the game was well, I think the game was revealed to the public uh, on the Tuesday. Yes, yes. that's right. Yeah. Um, the. So as as expected,
0: you know the three versions, Pro, Premium, and LE. Uh, like previous Black Knight games, um, there's a upper playfield, but not on the Pro. So is it, in that sense, it's a bit like Game of Thrones, that doesn't doesn't have the upper playfield on the lowest vol- uh, lowest model, which is slightly uh, disappointing, uh, I guess. It is because that's something you kind of associate with uh, Black Knight games, the,
1: the dual level, right. Uh, Actually, I was but, hoping for a third level since it's the third iteration of the game, but sadly, no.
0: No, um, I don't think. I think after having monsters with a lower playfield, unless you were talking about a, a second upper playfield, right? Uh, but then you get into the law of diminishing returns where you have got less and less space. Um, so again, on the upper playfield, on the on the games or the models that have it, that's where you you can lock three balls and start a three-ball multi-ball up there, and you can also lock three balls on the lower playfield um, and then potentially have a six-ball multi-ball on, on those games. Um, each, each game has a, uh, a, a very different art package. The um, the pro model is, is a lot bluer than the others, uh, sort of almost lighter in colour than you'd expect from a, a Black night game, which uh, tends to be rather dark. Um, the, uh, the premium model is all about is sort of blood red, very much, on the, on the cabinet side with uh, the knight sort of doing a big swish of the uh, aforementioned Sword of Rage. And uh, the, the LE model is, um, well, I don't know what it's uh, flames, I suppose, is probably the best, uh, or fireballs is uh, the theme for that. But all, all three are all about um, battling the Black Knight, uh, raiding his castle and basically raising it to the ground, right. As so. uh, as the storyline
1: goes, right. So and uh, the artwork on the game is by Captain O'Connor, and I really have to compliment Kevin because I think he really knocked it out of the park. <laughs> that whole phrase again. Yes, um, a lot of people have been knocking things out of the park, but I think
0: certainly in in this case, yeah, it looks amazing, and uh, and it's it's not like each. Each art package is just, you know, a slightly different or a, a, a colour change from the from the other one. You know, the, each model has a very very different look to it, and um, I think it's incredibly detailed. And, and yeah, I, it looks absolutely wonderful. I, I can't think anybody could want anything more uh, from this theme. It, it just screams action, battles, rage, fire. You know, it's right. um, it's just all. It's, it's a massive battle game, as most Steve Ritchie games are, and that's really conveyed well through the artwork, both on the cabinet and uh, on the playfield and on the back glass.
1: Right. So um, what I also like about this, uh, um, the, the, let's call it the uh, well, the artwork package on the playfield, I would say, and, and the, the layout of the inserts is that it's, uh, there's, there's clearly a reference to the playfield, the lower playfield of Black Knight Two Thousand. Yes, with the lightning wheel in the, right exactly. in the middle of it. Yes. Yes. So that's that's a very nice touch, I thought. Um, obviously, um, uh, you're battling the be- uh, the Black Knight, and in this case, the game actually has a Black Knight bash toy. Kind uh,
0: of. You don't actually hit the, the Black Knight himself, do you? No, you, you hit the target in front of it. Of it or, and, yeah. or his uh, flail on the left ramp, or his shield.
1: Uh, to the right. Yeah, so and that flail is actually quite interesting because um, mm-hmm. um, I almost don't want it to call it, but finally we see some innovation at stern. In the sense that this is a mechanism that we have never ever seen on pinball before, and here it makes complete sense. It's 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 something that yes, it goes with the black knight, uh, 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 this this could be a very interesting feature.
0: Do we actually know how it works?
1: I suppose it rotates, and it will either knock the ball back to you, or it will knock it backward, depending on which way it rotates.
0: I believe it's it's um, you can both spin it and it's it's motorised as well.
1: Yes. Is that right? Yes.
0: Yeah. Okay. And I guess it's it's weighted, you know, quite heavily, so um, it will have some some serious impact with the ball when you really do hit it.
1: Well, yeah, if if the ball hits it, and uh, basically it gets... Uh, I expect it to be thrown basically in your face, sort of like. That's uh, probably not what you would want to do. Um, but, oh well, we'll see how it works. We haven't seen any video of gameplay yet. Uh, we're still waiting on that. But um, I, think, I think that's coming up very shortly. I think Jack Danger said he was
0: going to uh, be streaming something... Uh,
1: but there could still be two weeks. Uh, the next weeks. day or two.
0: Okay. I think it's going to be much, much more recent than that, and no, much, much sooner than that over the next couple of days.
1: Right. So I look forward to that. I'm very curious. Um, also, uh, compliments to the um, music soundtrack um, for the game, where um, Ian Scott of Anthrax. Um, had been uh, asked to play um, uh, to come up with the music for the for the game, uh, including a modern iteration of the uh, the very famous Black Knight 2000 theme. Um, from what I heard uh, on the promotional videos that Stern uh, released, that sounded sounded very impressive. I was uh, I'm not a metal fan, but wow. Uh, it, it's a definitely yes, it's, an, a, a soundtrack that gets the adrenaline pumping yeah
0: i mean as, as if the, the pinball two thousand sorry the uh, black knight two thousand uh, one wasn't uh, iconic enough um and one of those those soundtracks you can hear from you know from the other side of a of a show pretty much if it's if it's playing but um no, this is a a nice variation on that and gives it a bit more i don't know a bit more whereas that was a-, a quite electronic Sound. This is a lot more human, a lot more emotive. I'd say.
1: Yeah, it's uh, it's 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 it rocks.
0: <laughs>
1: yeah. Well, hopefully, let's
0: uh, look forward to hearing some of the other tracks that are in the game. There's, there's there should be a lot of music in there, and of course um, some speech calls from some well-known people too. Right. Steve
1: Ritchie, of course, being the Black Knight himself, but also Ed Robertson of Bare Naked Ladies is doing voice work. Hmm. Yep. Yeah don't know quite what
0: his character is in, in the game yet. But, I have no uh, idea
1: either. Um, it must be very flattering to be the singer of uh, one of Canada's most successful bands and then to be asked to do a voice work in speech. Mm, yeah, absolutely. So
0: we, we'll hear, well, as we said before, the, the, this is going to be featured in a very big way at the uh, Midwest Gaming Classic. Uh, remember last year they had, uh, was it Iron Maiden? I think was it yes. was uh, there. And they had, what's that, like 40 machines there. 30. At, uh, okay. Th- yeah. 30, okay. Uh, well, I think it's going to be about the same number, if not more, uh, this year for uh, Black Knight, so- Sword of Fury. Rage. Rage, Rage. No, Rage. I didn't get that wrong. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Swords of Fury is the other game, of course. Yeah, Sword of Rage. Um, Not sure whether they're going to have any limited editions or uh, on on the stand there at um, at the Marco booth, but uh, they certainly have plenty of machines there. And uh, if you want to go and be one of the first to play it, that's where you need to go. Right. Right. So uh, congratulations. Interesting. um... Interesting. It wasn't shown at the recent trade show in Las Vegas. The amusement amusement expo.
1: Yes. Yeah.
0: Um, I guess they're they're holding their fire for uh, the the big reveal, a big public reveal at right. Uh, MGC.
1: Right. Yeah. So, and um, if that's going to be anything like the Munsters, um if we remember the uh, the reveal of Munsters that was in um, uh, Las Vegas as well, I think, uh, which was very well choreographed in the sense that they had live streams and everything. So. Uh, if Stern is keeping that up, then we're uh, probably in for a real treat that weekend. Too bad we can't see it, because we'll be in France at another mm. show. Oh, well, we can't be everywhere. But talking about monsters,
0: um the artist on that uh, was Christopher Franchi, right. who's uh, Texas. And I believe there's some news about, about Chris.
1: Well, the interesting thing was, um, and I was sort of there when it happened, um, during the show... Uh, Christopher French he basically quit working for Stern. Um, but now that uh, everybody's back home and uh, uh, tempers um, um, uh, calm down, if, if that was even the case, but um, it appears that um, he quit, but he's back. <laughs> so
0: he didn't quit I, I think this is probably not the first time that, that no actually the did. same
1: thing happened last year uh, also at the Texas Pinball Festival and then George Gomez uh, got on the phone and smoothed things out um, uh, I think this all has to do with Stern not being very um, uh, cooperative uh, with Christopher French he's selling uh, his own artwork at shows uh, which is obviously related to the themes that um, uh, uh, the license that Stern is um, using on their games and um, um, not everybody is supporting the idea that he's selling his own artwork even if it's not the the artwork that he did for Stern but he's using elements of that artwork in different compositions and um, just doing like uh, 25 uh, unique prints that you can only buy at the show and that's about it and uh, some people at Stern were, I'm not naming any names we um, were not that keen on that. And there was quite some uh, heated discussion about that. Mm. So that's where that's um, uh, supposedly coming from. But apparently um, all the wrinkles have been smoothed out and uh, we're back to normal again. Good. Okay. Well, one person who isn't at Styn anymore
0: um, is there... Their former director of operator sales.
1: Distributor um, sales, yes. Distributor
0: uh, sales, yes.
1: Yeah. Jim Bell, I was actually surprised to hear that he was being let go, which is a pity hmm. because he was one of the longest uh, employees working at Stern Pinball. I think he was there almost as long as Shelly Sachs. Yeah, he was certainly a, a real regular.
0: Every time we go to the factory, you'd always see Jim there and he'd be doing the factory tours every pinball expo time we uh, would be, be ashamed to uh, go there and not, not see Jim anymore.
1: Yeah, exactly. But who knows, he might find another job with someone else in the uh, um, uh, pinball yeah. industry, if he would and, be interested you know, in that. various people who
0: have left Stern Pinball have ended up coming back again, uh, like Ray Tanzo for instance. Um, so just because they're not there at the moment doesn't mean that they're not going to be back at some point in the in the future. But somebody who we will be seeing more of, I think... And um, we saw in Texas and we also saw over at uh, Arcade Expo in um, Banning at the Museum of Pinball over there, where I was before Texas, is uh, Mike Vinicor, Right. Who, who is now the sort of the new public face of Stern at uh, enthusiast and collector shows such as uh, uh, Texas Show and uh, Midwest and uh, Arcade Expo. He seems to um, be stern representative who's going to be appearing at seminars and giving talks and being at the stand and basically doing the kind of stuff that gary stern has been doing for well forever pretty much uh while gary um directs his attentions more towards the operator and distributor market and uh, going to see those so he'll be at like the trade shows Whereas Mike will be at the uh, the enthusiast and collector shows, so uh, expect to see a lot more of, of Mike. And um, he was, um, if he's not somebody you're familiar with, only in his seminar at TPF with Steve Ritchie, he was talking about uh, how long the two of them had known each other, and Mike's been in the been in pinball or uh, well been the the the, the um, amusement coin up business for 25 years at least, and used to work with Steve over in at Williams. I was so actually surprised got, to
1: find that out. I didn't know
0: that. Oh, he's got a long history of, of working um, in, in the business, and uh, so he's not he's not uh, wet behind the ears by any, by any means, and uh, no, he's uh, a, a very, very likable and talkative and uh, knowledgeable guy, and uh, he's very good at relating stories as well, so expects to see a lot more from Mike. Yeah, maybe we should
1: uh, do an interview with him sometime.
0: Okay, well, yes. Um, Try and think when the next opportunity would be. I don't suppose he's going to be in France, but (laughs) he might have other duties to deal with. There's also such
1: a thing as a uh, phone?
0: I've heard of this, yes. Tell me all about this once we finish this, because obviously we don't know anything about talking to each other over the internet.
1: No. So, um, right. And, um, well, there was quite a lot of... Um, rumours as well, um, the past <laughs> month. Um false, I think. Well, uh, it's definitely not false that there were rumours. Uh, <laughs> the rumours may have been false, but the news that there were rumours is definitely not false. <laughs> Do you want to take us through what's not true? Okay, sure. Um, I will uh, basically just address... Um, there was a rumor that uh, Dutch pinball and their former contract manufacturer ARA uh, had uh, reached an agreement on settle uh, or settling their uh, ongoing court case. Sadly, that's not true. Um, they are still as far apart as, as they could be, and uh, they're currently waiting for a uh, final court ruling um, after they. Basically tried for the, I think the, the second yep. or the third time to reach an agreement, and they basically could not work it out. So uh, unfortunately, so
0: the,
1: the, the, the judge will will make a ruling then. Yes. So so right. um, sadly not true. Um, there has been a rumor that um, Chicago Gaming had bought the licenses for Alien and. Queen from um, the Pinball Brothers, who own the assets of um, the former Highway Pinball. Also not true, apparently both licenses have expired. Um, There is also a rumour going around that Fox is actually looking for a manufacturer to consider doing a new Alien Pinball, Um, but I don't know whether there's any truth to that. I'm just mentioning it as a rumour. Uh, I guess we'll just have to to wait and see if anybody will act on that. Then there was a uh, false rumor that um, the Willy Wonka game, which is heavily rumored to be Jersey Jacks' next game, will be revealed this week, which is like the first week of April. And um, no, that's not the case. Yep. Um, There was also a rumor that Dennis Norpen had been ordered to come back to Stern Pinball to finish his Elvira game. Um, Obviously, Dennis is uh, working for Deep Root Pinball, as uh, as we reported on earlier. He's working on two um, non-licensed games. Uh, I think he finished one, and um, he's close to finishing the second. Um, but um, according to Dennis, uh, the design for Elvira is uh, done. Um, the only thing that that Stern had to look at was certain uh, mechanical features, um, toys, and and how they operated, and so on. But um, but the playfield design is done, and uh, uh, the rumor that he would be that he was ordered to go back to Stern. To finish the game, um, as far as I can tell, is not true. Mm, that's my understanding as well. Yeah, right. And um, let me guess because I got all my notes here, but they're a little bit, a um, little bit of a I, mess. Think, that's, I think that's. covered. Oh, uh, yeah. I think that's covered all the,
0: uh, all the, all the fake news. Should we say? Yeah, I think so. Um, so we we can look at uh, one more um, company who intending to make pinballs, but um, so far haven't haven't produced any, but have big plans. They've announced their first five titles that they're going to be making over the next oh what three years, I suppose. Aren't and that you? is uh, yeah five titles. Yeah, believe it or not, uh, that's Pinball Buzz. Who, right. uh with the Pinball Adventures um, publisher, right? Who, you know, apart from producing um, various um, issues of their Pinball Adventures
1: book, is it a book or a magazine? I guess it's a book. It's a book, isn't it? It's a series of yeah. books. It's supposed to be ten yeah. books, and they're also working on um, several uh, another series of books, which is uh, focusing on. The best games by uh, certain manufacturers. So there would be a publication about Gottlieb and one about valley and one about Williams and and so on. I actually covered that in my uh, um, my February summary um, uh, newsletter. So if people are have subscribed to that, then um, you can look that back up. But so this is a um, the, the interesting part here is here we have a um, uh, a book publisher who is teaming up with um, a pinball manufacturer, and we don't know which one yet, unless you do, and I don't know yet. But uh, I don't.
0: Uh, we, we can speculate on that, but um, we probably better stick to, to facts.
1: There's enough speculation going on that um, turned out not to be correct. Right. So, um, but they are teaming up with an existing uh, pinball manufacturer, and um, I knew of three titles that they um, are planning to make. uh, But you are already mentioning five, so I leave it up to you to uh, name these titles. Okay. Well, according to their website, okay,
0: uh, which is uh, pinballbuzz.com, they have. They said this year they're going to produce a game called Punny Factory. I don't know what that is. I don't know what punny means in this sense. Um, there's a little description of, of the game. It says, oh, no, there's been an explosion at the punny factory. Help Casey gather all the punnies and get that factory up and running again. I don't know what a punny is, but I guess it will be explained to you. Um, maybe it's something that's not in my sphere of knowledge, But and, and everybody's going, oh, you don't know what a punny is. Oh, it's obvious. Well, I don't know what it is. So that's that game is, is scheduled to come out this year, 2019. Then next year, there are two more titles, one called Sushi Mania and one called Ninja Mania. Those two are um, scheduled 2020. And then 2021, they've got another two games scheduled, one called First Class and one called Canada A. Okay. A, as in E-H, apostrophe, um, exclamation mark, rather. So I don't know what these games you know how these games are going to look what you know how complex and how dissimilar they all are or whether it's like a re-theming. It might even be a common playfield design across all of them and just a different package but yeah. we've got those five titles and that's what they're uh, that's what they're planning to do it seems a very ambitious um, production schedule well wow. particularly as they're also doing um, you know the the, the pinball uh, adventures series and publishing books at the same time but right hey,
1: I was going to say that, yeah. So it's very ambitious. Um, I do hope that their games will be received a lot better than the Pimble Adventures book because that went really down in a bad way.
0: Yeah, it got off to a bad start. That's no question about that. I haven't I haven't seen any of them, so I don't know whether whether uh, issues were improved with each subsequent issue, should I say, and mm-hmm. um, whether they, they got the printing quality and the and the, and the editing up to scratch, and uh, I like to think they, they did, and it was just a, a rough start. So uh, um, they obviously got a very ambitious and, uh, I don't know, um, a dedicated team of people working on all, all this um, pinball-related production. So um, we'll have to try and do a, an interview with, um, with the team over at Pinball Buzz and find out what, what's going on and how they think they're going to do all this in, uh, over
1: the next couple of years. Right. There's a lot to find out there. Right. So it will be interesting, definitely. So um, I guess this rounds up um, our summary for March 2019. I think it does, yeah. It's, yeah. Uh, as, you, as you've heard, it's been a very, a very busy month and an exciting one. Oh, absolutely, yeah. And uh, the excitement will continue in the month of April as we are, um, uh, obviously, like we just discussed, uh, we're going to get to see first uh, gameplay videos of uh, Black Knight Sword of Rage. um, And we're also likely to see Jersey Jack's uh, new game, which is rumored to be Willy Wonka. Indeed, yeah. So
0: we'll look forward to that, and of course we'll uh, you and I will both be at the the, uh, the show in Le treport the Flip Flow show. Right. And uh, and so look out for our. Uh, I don't know if we do, we do a mid-month podcast. Why? Why not? I
1: expect uh, us to do a mid-month podcast with an interview with Jack Wernery as well. And uh, maybe if we do our homework, we might as well have some extra interviews as well. Yeah, let's
0: see who else is there, and we'll we'll get them on on mic and uh, bring you all the latest news
1: right so um um and of course uh, we will have um on our uh, mid month podcast gary flower reporting from the midwest gaming classic yes not exactly live but he'll be there bring us all the details
0: and all the excitement um of that massive show over in uh, milwaukee
1: right so um, that's it for this month. Thank you all for listening. And um, uh, please visit our uh, respective uh, website for further um, uh, reports on uh, the Texas Pinball Festival and um, the, the, the trip that we did uh, to uh, the Multimorphic Facility and the Texas Pinball Museum and all sorts of other stuff. So either that's uh, pinballnews.com or pinball-magazine.com.
0: And with that, we'll wish you a, a very, very goodbye from this uh, special March edition of the Pinball Magazine and Pinball News podcast.
1: So it's goodbye from me. And for me as well. And hopefully uh, we'll be back next month and so will you. Thank you. Bye bye. Bye bye. <laughs>